We see his beauty all around us. I could talk about some of the things that that God has done and God is doing in our world. Uh, So do you look around and enjoy the beauty that God has given to us to enjoy? Uh, Eyesight to take it in. Uh, Nose sometimes uh, that can smell the fragrance. Uh, Hearing. When I was out yesterday uh, on the side close to the catawba tree, which is full of blossoms, uh, top to bottom, uh, and it sounded like a beehive. Uh, heard all the buzzing going on, bees working those flowers, and there is a little fragrance to those flowers uh, for the catawba tree. Do you all know what a catawba tree is? You young people know what a catawba tree is? You do? Okay, uh, what's, what's uh, significant about a catawba tree in the fall that makes it stand out from all the other trees? Uh, Doris knows. <laughs> yeah, maybe you didn't know the name of it. It's those long beans that grow on it. Uh, we used to call them Indian cigars. <laughs> but... Uh, that is catawba tree with those big leaves, and uh, they're, they're beautifully in flower right now. Uh, blossoms all over my yard uh, where blooms have exploded and dropped the petals down on the grass. Uh, certainly, certainly wonderful. And uh, I could go on and on, but I'm not going to because that's not what I'm here for this morning. I'm here to talk about the Word of God. And I'm trying to enlighten you on some things as I bring the Word of God to you. Sometimes we think, well, we've been in church a while, so we know, we pretty well know. Uh, But uh, there are a lot of things, there's things that I find out about as I go along, try to inform my mind on more of the things of God. So this morning our scripture is from the book of Luke chapter 11 and we'll read at verse 11 if you're able to stand stand with me this is on a passage that oft times would be preached uh, with the emphasis on it as for prayer Uh, Jesus Jesus adds this on it's also found Similar passage in the book of Matthew. Uh, Luke 11, 11 says, If a son shall ask bread of any of you, that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord, this is a difficult passage. We know, dear Lord, that if you do not help us this morning, that we can go away without receiving from Father's hand, but we pray you'll help us this morning. We pray, dear Lord, that you will 
speak to our hearts and show us, dear Lord, that uh, we have much to be thankful for and we have opportunities if we will avail our, ourselves of them. We have opportunities and we have riches that uh, are beyond compare that you have provided. I pray, dear Lord Jesus, that you will bless in the ongoing of this service. May the Holy Spirit have his way. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. My sister called my attention to a thing that was in the daily bread, I believe, a few weeks ago about a poor family that was eking out a living. Did any of you read that? They didn't have they didn't have enough or even the necessities of life, just just getting by and uh, as as they did their best to get along, there was a bubbling brook that wasn't too far from the house and um, the one of the ch children uh, found a pretty stone down there and brought it up and uh, it was used as a doorstop. Am I telling it right, sister? Uh, it was used as a doorstop. And, uh, and so uh, they just went on in their poverty but uh, came to be known when somebody came along that knew what it was that it was a large piece of gold. <laughs> that had been in that stream, and they were using it for a doorstop and living in poverty. You know, there are a lot of people in the Christian church that have a lot of riches right at their grasp, but, but they don't know it. <laughs> they don't reach out and avail themselves, and, and they don't enjoy the provision that is there, right there at their fingertips. And so, when we read this passage this morning from Luke, Jesus said that this group of people he was talking to, that uh, they were people who, if their children asked something, so I want you to notice there was relationship. There was relationship. If a son asked bread of his father. So we have relationship established. Uh, it's not a stranger asking a man for something. It is a son asking something. Jesus said that when, when you ask of your earthly father, would your earthly father do something that would be harmful or mean or, or unimportant for you? Uh, so he said that you as earthly fathers being evil know how to give good, good gifts. Now that sounds a little harsh maybe why would Jesus say that they are evil? He's speaking of the corruption that is in every human heart. Every one of us is born with a sin nature. 
Jesus wasn't because he's the son of the highest. But all others since Adam's fall have been born with a corrupted nature. And it makes, us e makes it easier for us to do what's wrong than to do what's right. It also means that we're children of the devil. We're created by God, but we're headed for hell. Uh, as I visited with Tim Butler last week, uh, he was talking about uh, how, how it used to be preached, that people used to talk about hell, and he talked about his dad. He, you know, Tim was the driver for his father. Uh, he would take him to where he was going to preach and take him around to different houses maybe where he had business. So Tim sat and listened to his dad, John, quite a bit. And uh, he said uh, John would, his dad would lay it on the line that there's a heaven to gain and there's a hell to shun. And uh, some of them, some people didn't like to hear that. But it's still true today. Things haven't changed. There's still a way that is right, and there's a way that is a natural progression of depravity, that we go down, down, down. So Jesus said, you being evil, you have, you have a sin nature. Now when we talk about a sin nature, there are those that talk about total depravity, and we believe that every part of man's life has been touched by sin. Every part of his being has been touched by sin, but it does not mean that you cannot do some good things. It does not mean that, that you're totally incapable of doing anything good. However, you are totally incapable of doing anything good that would make you fit for heaven. You cannot lift yourself out of sin and make so many adjustments, so many corrections that somehow everything's okay and you're going to be going to heaven. So people that, people that try to do the, the works thing, people that try to do the, the family heritage thing, um, you know, my, my so-and-so was very in, influential in the church and so forth. None of that will get us heaven, will it? There's only one way we can get to heaven, and that's through the blood of Jesus Christ, receiving his sacrifice for our sin. And we have to do that if we want to make heaven our home. But uh, Jesus said, you being evil. Uh, so... He said that God, our Heavenly Father, wants to give His children a good gift. Now, if a son asks something, you wouldn't do something to make it an evil thing that you give him. And I'm not going to major on this, these different things that Jesus talks about, uh, scorpion, snake, and so forth. Uh, you, can, you can hardly hardly think about anything like that that a father would do. Uh, but Jesus said, your heavenly father is going to give you what's good and what, what is great. And so uh, he said, if you 
if you knew the love of your heavenly Father, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? <clears throat> and so the Holy Spirit is available to the children of God. You have to be in right relationship. The Holy Spirit is available in his fullness to the children of God. Now you say, preacher, I thought, I thought all Christians have the Holy Spirit. And that is true. If you do not have the Spirit of Christ, Romans 8 tells us, then you don't belong to God at all. But there are levels of submission. There are levels of yieldedness that bring you into closer relationship with the Lord. And you see that without looking very far in the Christian church. You see people that are, well, you know when, uh, when you talk about going swimming or something or you're going down to the, going to the lake, and there's people that have different levels of involvement at the lake. Uh, you know there are those people that uh, they'll kick their shoes off and uh, they'll dangle their toes down in the water a little bit. And uh, they'll say, uh, you know, uh, this is enough for me. I'm just going to dangle my toes a little bit. I'm just going to see what this is like. Uh, there are those that will go waiting. Uh, they'll, they'll go into their knees um, you don't know what kind of creature is going to swim by you. It depends on what part of the country you're in. Uh, so you might feel something brush against your leg, and you know there's something in the water. You don't know what it is, but you hope it doesn't get a hold of you. Uh, there's others that, uh, you know, they'll go a little bit further. It's amazing when I lived in Florida for a short time that... Uh, you could, you could walk out a long way when the tide was out. You could go a long way out into the gulf uh, without, without it being over your head. Uh, but then there's others that say, well, you know, I want to swim and I want to enjoy this. So they just get back and they just jump in, don't they? And once you jump in, you find out water's not quite as cold as what you thought it was. And, uh, and you begin to enjoy being in the water. Well, we have people in the Christian church that are toe dabblers. They just, they don't want to get too much. They don't want to be too fanatic. They might go in knee deep. Uh, they, might, they might go into the waist. But they're, they're going to be kind of cautious about this thing. Uh, they don't want to go all the way, all the way in. They believe and they're on their way, but then there's others that say, everything that God's got for me, I want, and I know that his gifts are good, he's not going to do anything to hurt me. And so they plunge in all the way. Uh, they go in over their head even, and, 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 see, and see what there is of the grace of God. And so Jesus is talking to these people about asking for the Father to give the Holy Spirit. Now, 
Did God give the Holy Spirit? There's an interesting passage in the book of John uh, where we are told that uh, the Holy Spirit was not yet given. Uh, that's when Jesus was on earth because that Jesus was not yet glorified. And uh, so that's in John chapter 7 and verse 39. If you want to jot it down and look at it for yourself, the Holy, John, John the Apostle makes that notation. The Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now by way of review, by way of review, and when we review, when I was in school and they did a review, if I was absent when they did the lesson, then I might be in trouble because I didn't get the lesson. So review last week. What was the Sunday that we celebrated last week? Do you remember what it was? It was something rather Sunday. It was also, well, I won't go any further than that. It was, it was, a, it was something rather it was a very important day in the, in the life of the church. It was after Jesus had gone back to heaven. You remember that they stood and watched as Jesus was lifted up and he went into the clouds. And he told them, do you remember what he told them, young people? He said, I want you to wait until you receive the promise of the Father, which you have heard of me. And so they had to wait, and they waited. They didn't know how long they were going to wait. They waited in the upper room, and they prayed, and they thought about what Jesus taught them. <clears throat> and then something happened. What do we call it? What did you say, Connie? Pentecost. Okay, and so it was, it was 50 days after Easter, the Holy Spirit came, and they were endued with power, weren't they? They had been followers of Jesus, but now they are infused with power, and they begin to preach. They preached to people that had, that had actually crucified Jesus, and Jesus began to work miracles, and there were you remember how many were added to the church that day? How many were converted that day to Christianity? And I'm making this a little interactive to get you involved. Do any, does anybody remember how many? Josiah. Uh, 3,000. Okay, so I don't know. You're, you're motioning. I didn't know. Oh, you're showing me. Okay, I, all I saw was... The circle, <laughs> okay. 3,000 people were, were converted that day and Paul told, or Peter told them if they repented and received Christ, they too could receive the Holy Spirit like Peter and the others that were preaching had received. So, does everybody here believe that God only gives good gifts to his children. Every good gift, James says in the first chapter, every good gift and every perfect gift.
comes down from the Father of lights, and he never changes, he never varies. He's always a bright light. He's always keeping his word. And so they received the promise that God had provided. They received the Holy Spirit. Now, you were singing something this morning, and I don't know if you knew what you were singing. <clears throat> I didn't say anything because I thought, I'm, I'm going to let them sing it, and I'm going to see if they know what they're singing. So when we're singing in, on page 232, <clears throat> open your songbooks. See, I'm trying to keep you involved here. Page 232. You know, I was noticing uh, when uh, they have something on television uh, that... Uh, there's always a lot of jumping and dancing, you know, and, and they're trying to get your attention. And I don't think I can do all that. I don't think I can do all that jumping and all that dancing. Uh, but I'm trying to do stuff to get you plugged in to at least get a little something out of this message this morning. Uh, so are you on 232? Everybody's got a songbook. You know, that's the old-fashioned way. We used to sing out of them all the time. We didn't have anything on the screen. So, <coughs> so it says he abides. Now who is he? Who is he that abides? Who is it talking about? What did you say? The Holy, Spirit. the Holy Spirit. Okay. Did you know that? The Holy Spirit abides. So Jesus said, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send somebody that's going to come to you. He is with you now, but he's going to be in you. And if you wait, then you're going to receive this special presence. The, div the divine Holy Spirit will be with you. And so that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. Uh, they received the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist had preached about it and so forth. So I want you to look on down in that song. Uh, you see down in the chorus, it says, uh, the first word in the line there, what is that first word? It's continuation. All four verses go down, and then they go on that first word in the chorus. What is the first word in the chorus? Comforter. Okay. Now, did you know if you have, if you use an NIV Bible, comforter's not in there? It's not in there. I'm not saying it's bad. It's not in there. Did you know if you use a New American Standard Bible, comforter's not in there. Did you know if you use the paraphrase, you know what the difference is between a, between a version and a paraphrase? You know what the difference is, don't you? A version is where they actually translate the word and tell you what the word means, a Greek word, what it means in the English language, okay? But if you got a paraphrase, that's someone that reads the word and they say, well, I think this is what they're trying to say. So they, 
paraphrase it. They use their words. It's not an exact translation. It's a paraphrase. It's close. But that can be colored, can't it? With what that person believes themselves. And so you can get a shift in doctrine. You can get somebody else's theology inserted into what the scripture actually says. Okay, so comforter. Comforter. Uh, what, do, what do the other versions talk about? Uh, they're trying to convey the same message that is conveyed in the original. Now, the King James Version uses the word comforter. If you read the King James Version, it uses the word comforter. And we'll be reading some scripture about that. But uh, in the other versions, the words that they use that try to help you understand the meaning of that word, and these are, these are valid translations, this is not paraphrasing. Uh, they, they say, uh, let me find my place here. Uh, the, the word comforter in the King James is found uh, in, in three different places, four different places it looks like. Uh, it says uh, in, the, in the, King James, the New King James Version and the New American Standard Version, uh, the word is helper. It's not comforter, it's helper. If, if you go to uh, the NIV, the word is not comforter. The word is counselor. So you can say, you know, I, I've read my Bible, but I don't see the word comforter. Well, you did, but you saw another interpretation of the word that Jesus used. And they're valid words because all these are fit as to what the Holy Spirit is. He is a counselor. And like I said, the paraphrase uses the word friend. Now what word did Jesus use? You won't remember this probably, and I know that. But Jesus used the word paraclete. That's a Greek word, paraclete. What, what, does, what does the word mean? It means all those things that these various translations have used. And so uh, it, means, uh, it means that it's a friend, it's a counselor, it's a helper. All those are part of the valid translation of that word paraclete. There's, there's more to that word than just those words. It's a word that is very rich in meaning. But when we're, seeing, when we're singing, the comforter has come, we're talking about somebody in the original language that para means to come alongside. To come alongside. And the last part of the word means to call alongside. Jesus said, I'm going away, but there's one coming. Now see, when you talk about, oh, the Holy Spirit, he's a comforter. Yes, he is, but it's not just like I'm consoling you. I'm going to console you. 
It's more than that. He's one that comes alongside you and walks with you like a friend. If you were, if you were going through a difficult time, you have an earthly friend. Isn't it nice when that earthly friend, I mean, so, somebody that you love, somebody that, that truly is a friend, like the message says. And they come, and they come up, and they put their arm around you. And they say, you're going through a hard time. You know, maybe it's because you've lost a loved one. Maybe it's because you've got some bad news of your own, in your own life. And that friend puts their arm around you and says, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. Why don't, why don't we go get some lunch? Why don't we spend a little time together and talk and visit? And you say, oh, that warms my heart. That warms my heart because this person really cares. And that's what Jesus said, that he was going to send somebody when he left, and they are going to be the comforter. They're going to be the paraclete. They're going to be able to come alongside you. They're going to be there not only not only in time of grief, but also in time when you need counsel. So there's another, there's another legitimate word that's used in one of the translations, the NIV. A counselor. He's there, folks. He's there. If you don't ask the counsel of God in things in your life, you're missing a great blessing. When we come to a decision that we have to make, some decisions are pretty tough. Some, some decisions are, uh, I mean, the, the good of our lives rest on those or the good of the lives of our loved ones. And we don't know how to decide. You know, the Holy Spirit is there. The paraclete is there, and we can ask him to give us guidance and direction. It does not make us infallible, but we lay it out for the Lord, and he knows. I remember a story a long time ago I read about uh, a young man that saved his money. And you know when you save your money, how many of you young people have savings? You have savings, you save money, you just spend it. Right through the fingers. <laughs> That's an honest answer. <laughs> That's an honest answer. <laughs> yeah, well, there are a lot of people that way. And that's the wrong way to live, I'll tell you right now. It's the wrong way to live. You need to put some back because you save some for a rainy day. Do you remember this preacher standing here telling you? I might have been in the basement at that time. I remember telling you we are going to go into inflation. The dollar, the dollar is going to shrink, and we're going to come against some hard times. You remember that? I told you. And then you had people like, you know, Janet Yellen and others that are in charge of the money. Oh, it's just, we're just going to be a little bleep. You know, we'll be out of this for you. Now they're saying, oh, it's here. And when you go to the service station, yeah. And when you go to the store and you buy the package, it's shrunk. And, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe the, uh, 
Maybe the whopper will shrink down so that you can just hold it in your thumb and index finger. Take one bite uh, to show you what inflation is. Yeah, <laughs> that's it, Patty. You're paying more. Well, it's good. It's good to save some. It's good to. It's good to hold some. And so, uh, I told you that was coming, but. There was a young man that saved his money. Uh, it was back in the days when you bought horses and they were your transportation. And uh, he, there was a horse that a man came through town with and he was wanting to sell it. It was a gorgeous horse. And the price was low enough that this boy could buy it. It was unbelievable. He had enough money to buy this horse. It was a gorgeous animal, but it seemed too good to be true. But he prayed about it. He said, dear, dear Lord, he is a Christian. Help me to know what to do, if I should buy this horse or not. He prayed about it, and he felt he should buy that horse. And so the horse was purchased legally, he had title to the animal, and uh, he got on the, the animal to ride it, and uh, people standing around watching, guess what the animal did? <laughs> no, it didn't throw him off. <laughs> it took off for home. <laughs> it was trained to go back to its own stable. It wouldn't listen to anything that boy had to say. People were laughing. He thought, you know, I felt I should buy this horse. But then it came to him. If this horse can be trained to do that, this horse can be trained not to do that. And so he started working on the animal and breaking that habit so that when he got on the horse's back, it didn't head for home base. It headed where he wanted to go with the reins. Well, the man that sold the horse to him became rather concerned because this was a valuable animal. And so he offered to give him his money back. The boy said, no, I felt I was supposed to buy this horse, and I'm not going to sell it. And the man offered him a lot more money and a lot more money to try to get the horse back. The boy wouldn't sell the horse back. Turned out he fully broke him so he could guide him, and he would do what he wanted him to do. But see, he was doing what he felt was right, and he stood by it. And the Holy Spirit helped him. So when you read that word comforter in the old King James, or if you read helper, I'm not putting down the other scriptures, think about what it means. Uh, I heard another illustration about this, and I'll give it to you in a minute. But let's look at, let's look at these different places where Jesus speaks about the comforter. John 14, 16. And this we're talking about the Holy Spirit. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? God wants you to jump in all the way, folks, and let him be in control. 14:16 of John. Jesus said, let's read 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. I said we have to be in relationship with the Lord. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, 
that he may abide with you forever. Then look uh, at verse 26 in the same chapter. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Do you believe the Holy Spirit does that? Helps. How about these early disciples that heard Jesus preach and then he was gone? Then they had to relay to others what Jesus said. Didn't they have to write the books, the Gospels? How did they do that? The Holy Spirit helped them. The Holy Spirit helps when we're ministering in various capacities and brings things to our remembrance. <coughs> then look at 1526. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. See what a great friend. The paraphrase says friend. See what a great counselor he is. See what, see what a great companion he is to us. Um, counselor encompasses many of these things. Do you, do you have him as your friend today? Do you have him as your friend? If you have a real friend, folks, you talk to him regularly, don't you? Do you, do you talk, young people, do you talk to Jesus every morning? Do you talk to Jesus every morning? Do you let him talk to you? Do you shut up and open the Bible and see what the Bible has to say? You should, because that's our guide. We should read the scripture. Some people act like this stuff is not really important. You know, the things that are important is what you're going to have for lunch. The things that are important are the fact that, you know, Wendy's has now a strawberry uh, shake. Uh, and so that's pretty important. Uh, that's the golf scores, the uh, baseball, who's, who's the top player and all this stuff. Yeah, those, those things are passing, aren't they? Those things are passing. But these spiritual things are something that's going to go on forever and forever. And whether other people think they're important or not, we know they're important, and the scripture tells us that they are, and they'll become more important as that day approaches when we get ready to go home. And so then uh, 16, 7 and 8 <coughs> says, this is still in John, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, is it expedient, it's beneficial, for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Helper, the Counselor, the Paraclete, with all those 
definitions. The one who's come to abide. There uh, is a story I told you I would tell you um, that in days of old uh, that when a ship was uh, shot, when something happened and it was listing, you know what listing is, leaning, gonna, gonna take on water, gonna go down, uh, whichever way it's listing, it's, gonna, it's not gonna stay afloat. And uh, so what they did was send another ship out and bind them together so that the one ship that was not damaged could keep the other ship afloat until they could get it into port. We remember when we had that happen to one of our naval vessels uh, off of, I'm going to say, I'm not sure what it was off of, but it was, it was close to one of the areas that was hostile to us. These little boats came out. Any, does, does anybody remember these little boats coming out? They came out and the big, the big uh, ship of the U.S. That's a, a, that is a, a ship for fashion for battle. These little boats would come out and they would sound on the, on the horn, uh, stay back. Uh, stay back or we will fire. Well, these little boats, what could they do against this big ship? Have any of you been on one of those big naval vessels? Uh, I went, I went to, to Maryland and, and went to port there, and uh, they're massive. You can't believe how big these things are until you're right there and you look at them. Well, what could these little guys do that they'd have to worry about them? But they warned them to stay back, stay back. Well, one of them got up close, had explosives, and blew a big hole in the side of one of our big naval vessels. Is it coming back to you now <clears throat> that this happened? And uh, it, it wasn't that old a vessel, and, and so it needed to be repaired, but it couldn't be repaired there. So they had another vessel come alongside to help it get to the port where it could be repaired. And you know that's a lot of welding of steel panels and all the expertise of welding underwater and things like that. <clears throat> well, that's what the Holy Spirit does. Sometimes we're damaged, folks. Sometimes the enemy does get advantage of us. But the Holy Spirit is there to come alongside us and to give us the wherewithal that we need to stay afloat and to get to where we can get some help. And that is what we look at when we look at the word, the comforter. The comforter has come, the counselor, the friend. We're looking at the one who is here when we need his support and his help and his guidance. He's there for us. I hope you take advantage of this great friend that we have that Jesus has told us about. And that whether you remember the Greek word or not, that's not the important thing, but you remember what he does because he wants to do that in our lives 
He wants us to come to a point after we're saved where we yield our all to him. Let him come in and have full control in our lives. Doesn't mean we don't have a mind, doesn't mean we don't have desires, but we're listening to him, to what he tells us, and we're, we're asking him for his help. And he wants to come in, he wants to cleanse our hearts, not forgive us, but cleanse our hearts from evil tempers and angers and jealousies and help us to be the people that God wants us to be. <clears throat> Will you stand with me this morning? <clears throat>